Welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. This episode is our is 11, episode 11, Season and two. we talked with James Buck, who I met through wine. Um, friend, acquaintance who I met um, on my birthday, he was talking about a wine party, and we get into that in the, in the show, but of course here... In our reflections, we're going to talk about what we took away from that conversation. Um, so, do you want to start, or it felt fancy? I don't drink a lot of wine, so it was interesting to me to yeah. to um, play that role or have that conversation or uh, be a part of a conversation with wine with two wine connoisseurs. Mm-hmm. Connoisseurs. Connoisseurs. Yeah. Um, and not like, not like being inauthentic about it, but just being like, like I don't know a lot about wine. Mm-hmm. Um, fancy wine isn't something that I think about or care about mm-hmm. all that much. Yeah. Um, it was a fun conversation. It was mm-hmm. a, a fun evening and conversation, and he's a. Um, interesting person mm-hmm. for sure a great storyteller um, yeah a, a good good friend uh, likes to have fun mm-hmm. uh, positive energy yeah uh, shared a lot about travel and different cultures and himself growing up mm-hmm. uh, but it was just it wasn't it wasn't something that I normally do mm-hmm. um, in that it was kind of centered around wine a little yes. bit yeah. Um, so that was my mindset coming in was, well, this is different and unusual and I'll play the role of it, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend that I do this often mm-hmm. or even, yeah, and be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I think that was one of the first conversations I had when he was describing the wine that he chose for the evening was, I'm interested in it. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it got me thinking a little bit about, you know, just just uh, alcohol in general mm. and relationship with alcohol. I think mm. at one time we talk about that, like enjoying it, um, yeah. that it's an evolution. Um, I grew up and it was a, drinking was a competitive sport. Mm-hmm. That was, that was what we did. Right. How fast, how much, how silly can you get? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've grown up some since then. Uh, realized that that was unhealthy not a ton some it's a it's a work in progress yeah I'm 40 now so I have to grow up but we had a kind of I remember that was a takeaway for me it was like you know yeah in the 20 in your 20s maybe you thought differently about mm-hmm. alcohol and drinking and the why behind it yeah or even appreciated it differently mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of years I drank to get drunk mm-hmm that it was a party right it was a it was a how much how fast mm-hmm. type thing and that was that was what we did so uh thanks for inviting me over and um so i could play grown up and try to experience it differently <laughs> yes yeah yeah so of course i do drink wine often sometimes i pretend that i'm european um I like to have a glass, oh, probably a few times a week, a glass or two, 
or three. But I, yeah, I do approach it a little bit differently um, than just let me chug it down. I, there's, there can be, a, I think, a, a, a greater appreciation around wine and really around anything, whether it's drinking or eating, um, when you slow it down and notice. And so we talked a little bit about mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, so of course I appreciate the conversation around wine because I'm very passionate about that. Um, not just from the drinking, but from being educated on what's out there that's good. I appreciate the conversation too. Yeah. It just yeah. was new and different. And, yes. And um, yeah, that's yeah, the mindset I didn't that mean I took. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the conversation around travel was super interesting because and and uh, such a contrast uh, between uh, one of their one of uh, James and his wife one of the last places that they traveled or one of one of the notable places that they traveled. Um, a couple of them were Greece and Istanbul and just like the difference in cultural acceptance of certain certain things um, between those two places how one place is much more open um, and another place much more conservative in terms of um, to be dressed or not to be dressed <laughs> Um, was one of the yeah. examples he gave. Yeah, yeah. and it was yeah. interesting the way that he thought about it and experienced yeah. it. And not that there's right or wrong or that he right. wasn't uncomfortable or comfortable. Or just experience it. Mm -hmm. Go into a different place and experience that culture and learn from it and appreciate it. And that's some of the stuff that I got away from his stories around it was, yes, it's different, but different is good. Different is what yeah. we're seeking and looking for as we travel. Yeah, I think he has a real curiosity mindset when he, both when he travels and um, in just meeting different people, he's very open to seeing what can I, what can I experience, what can I learn. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Talked about his kids. Uh, it lit up when he talked about his kids. Yeah. I sensed energy there. Uh, so that was a good conversation to have with him about that. Um, three grown-up kids, adults that are still kids, of course. Uh, talked a little bit about fatherhood. And then shared his experience about uh, his childhood and his father. Um, and and uh, described him as an alcoholic and abusive at times. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a... A difficult conversation to have. Uh, he shared it openly and then talked about how that inf impacted and affected how he parents or tries mm -hmm. to parent. Um, and you had a takeaway there as well. Yeah, so that shift in mindset from, okay, I'm going to do things differently. Um, I also found it interesting his his share about his how his wife perceived the way that he would um i guess discipline or or um ask his kids to do something over and over again and get frustrated with it how his spouse knowing his own history had maybe a little bit of apprehension around okay how are how are you going to handle this or are you yeah. can we can we lay off a little bit when really he was just wanting his kids to be responsible, right? 
Yeah, and even what happens when you get upset or agitated and how far does that go and where do you have your limits of that? Mm -hmm. And I think uh, he described his wife having concerns based on his childhood or Mm -hmm. his upbringing um, about that piece. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a a really good conversation. He talks about post-retirement. He talks about being bored, but he also talks about how he keeps busy. And a lot of it has to do with educating himself on things that he enjoys. He talks about his Jeep and um, fixing or changing out or doing something with the engine. (laughs) I was listening. (laughs) Uh, He pimped his ride out. Yes. Yes, that's a good way to put it. But Um, he he had a lot of examples of that, I think, of getting his hands dirty and doing it and learning new things. And he talked about how that was uh, as a child. That, that he learned a lot from those um, that were willing to teach him a new thing or teach him a craft mm-hmm. um, or, or teach him about something. Um, and that's what stood out for me, too. His willingness to try it. Mm-hmm. His willingness to get a get a quote for something and, and decide what it would cost and then make the decision that he could do it yep. yeah. um, by himself or that he wanted to do it by yeah. himself. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think that were, those were some of my big takeaways from, from the conversation. Did you have anything? Uh, just a good dude. Uh, I'm glad yeah. we got to, got a chance to talk to him and, and yeah. hear about him. I learned, I learned about him a lot, open, open storytell and open share about his life. Yes. Uh, and that, that takes a lot sometimes to have that conversation, to have a vulnerable conversation about mm-hmm. that and share that. Uh, appreciate it. Appreciate you being on, James. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate your sharing, um, telling of story, and um, taking time to, to spend. Um, I think that's it. Thanks for the wine yes. as well. Yeah. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. Uh, Today we are talking with James Buck, who, um, as with most of my friends, I either meet through wine or yoga. So I met James through wine. We met at a local wine bar um, on my birthday, actually. You were talking about having a hosting a wine party, and my ears perked up, and I'm like, that sounds fun. Tell me more about that. <laughs> so, um, I don't, I, you know what? I didn't even write a, did I write wine questions? Yeah, I wrote wine questions. So maybe we can start with wine or wherever you want to start, really. Okay. Um, do you have a specific question or just where I started this is with the wine? First, this is the first um, episode that we're enjoying beverages. So maybe a little cheers with yes. water. Cheers. Thanks for being on, James. Good well, to meet thank you. you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. So, yeah, what was my wine question? What sparked your interest in wine? Um, 
First off, I grew up in Puerto Rico, and um, Puerto Rico is a wine drinking culture, basically, um, where it's mixed mm. um, wines mixed with juice, so it's sangria. Mm-hmm. And my mom, we're going back now, was a, a big wine drinker, but number Gallo, the gallon, mm-hmm. that was her choice of wine. Yeah. But all the time because they're mixing it with fruit juices. Um, and originally, when I got started with wine, I wanted to move up. So I started off with three Uniti because they had straw in the bottom of the bottle. And I thought it was so cool. I had to be 17 or 18, and that's a drinking age in Puerto Rico. Um, at that time, I didn't have a drinking age, and so I started off with that. But it wasn't until I came to Appleton and I lived on Eisenhower between college and Calumet. Mm-hmm. And there was this guy, his name was Jim. He opened the first red and white in that shopping complex. Oh, okay. Yep. And oh. so he introduced me, and my first wines um, started being um, port. Mm-hmm. I started dr- drinking ports like a 20 year old port, a 30 year old port. A forty-year-old. That's like big wine. <laughs> That's a big wine. Heavy duty, strong. High alcohol. <laughs> yep, and caviar. Uh, so um, that's when I first started drinking wine and caviar, like seriously. Mm-hmm. And that happened to be back in two thousand and five. Okay. So. So I think the question off of that is, how did you get from Puerto Rico to Appleton, Wisconsin? Okay. Um, my dad was Navy. Um, he was stationed at the mm-hmm. um, nuclear submarine base. He was a ship tech, um, a hull tech, basically, and nuclear welding, that type. Um, <laughs> and then he, um, there's a naval base called Roosevelt Roads Naval Base in Puerto Rico that is closed now, but he always went from Connecticut to Puerto Rico. And when he would go out to sea, he'd be out for six to nine months because it's on a submarine. And they'd be go out for six to nine months and then I was always in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. My mom is born in Tobaja, Puerto Rico, and then I was born in San Juan, and we stayed there a lot, mm-hmm. and especially in the early years and later on. Okay. So, but it's all again it tied into wine because that's all we drank out there, and yeah. Puerto Rico was wine. It was probably watered down for us kids, a lot of juice, but it was still wine. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. what was life like? How do you describe growing up in Puerto Rico? Puerto Rico, I'd say international. Yeah. Very international. Um, mm-hmm. So if you want to feel like you're in a different place outside of the United States, I would go to Puerto Rico. Um, because, one, it's colonial, Spanish colonial. It's old. Yeah. Um, El Moro, San Cristobal, the castles are, what, 500 years old? Mm-hmm. They're the oldest castles in the New World. And the streets mm-hmm. are cobblestone. Um, the wine is beautiful. Um, they've grown their own coffee. Um, so... Two of my favorite beverages, yes. aside from water. Water so. is more like a need. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> uh, but Puerto Rico's uh, Puerto Rico's uh, was a challenge um, because I at the time I was like I'm American, I'm American because my dad was in the Navy, and I remember getting bullied in school mm-hmm. in grade schools because I said and they said where are you born? I said San Juan, Puerto Rico. And I'd get in a fist fight and they're like you're Puerto Rican. I'd be on the mm-hmm. uh, on the ground getting up and they're like you're Puerto Rican. So all of a sudden, I, I'm very proud of being a Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. being born in Puerto Rico. So, the when did you move to the states? Um, on and off, I went from Connecticut to Puerto Rico because okay. my dad is from Groton, Connecticut. That's yeah. where the submarine base was. Um, my dad was born in Massachusetts, so on and off to Puerto Rico between those two, the most um, early on. You were back and forth a lot. I was back and forth a lot. Yeah, and where did the bullying take place? I would say Puerto Rico. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because they're just very macho at the time, the kids and everything. So, 
the culture shift. I went to school. Um, the school I went to was located in Santorsi, which is outside of San Juan, Puerto Rico. And the school down there, the, the culture is I go to school. Every girl that I met, I'd kiss on the cheek on each side. Mm-hmm. Like, hi, James. You just It was just normal. Yeah. I remember the first time I came to Wisconsin, um, and it was in Door County. I was um, working up in Sturgeon Bay and Egg Harbor at a place called uh, Periwinkles, the landmark resort. And I was at a bar called Vans in Sturgeon Bay, and I didn't realize I just kissed the girl on each side of the cheek. Mm-hmm. Got the, the boyfriend was very upset. Yeah. Yep. And oh. I was like, I don't, I, what did I do? Yeah. Different you know, cultures. And like, and right. Different cultures. Yeah. So. So you were, I mean, you were trying to fit in both places or it was difficult to, right? You were looking for identity and, and that was some of it when you described kind of why the bullying took place or, or what, what you were talking about um, being American or being from the States and they reminded you or wanted to remind you that you were Puerto Rican. Exactly. And, and it was that. Mm-hmm. that and that you was were, just being yeah. young. Yeah. I, I was being yeah, yeah. young and they were being bullies. <clears throat> I'm at the, I don't have that problem now. I've noticed that I've traveled a lot, and so it changes. I can see that sometimes it's not closed-minded, but when you come from a smaller community, like when I went to Sturgeon Bay, their use, it's um, all Dutch or it's all Polish. It's um, a certain ethnic group that takes over that area, and they're used to their um, what's normal for them. Me coming in with a different cultural background or an idea, they took my generosity as me wanting something. I was trying to get something from them. Yeah. I come mm-hmm. from a, a culture that's generous. Like I bring steaks over. You know, you bring, it's just when you go to somebody's house, we're having dinner, you bring something. You know, I'm sure that it's the same here, but it was different as far as like uh, kissing on the side of the cheek yeah. or, the, you know, like, let me buy you a drink. I'm like, they're like, we can buy our own drink. Mm. And I'm meaning as mm. a way to break the ice. Yeah. And, and maybe just a, a so. lack of trust mm-hmm. or understanding of, yeah, who you are and, and your why. That's interesting. Um, maybe talk about some of the other cultural um, differences or shifts or um, things that were challenging as you navigated that di- that um, difference from being from growing up in Puerto Rico to now being here, um, and that I can yeah. do. And um, yeah. the hardest thing um, growing um, doing the two different um, from Puerto Rico to here was school. Um, they put me in a bilingual school, and that was the Padre Rufo that I was telling you about. Um, and Padre Rufo was supposed to be bilingual, but the teachers would come in and they could not speak English. That was the hardest thing. So the kids, okay. all your books are um, in Spanish in grade school. At the university level, they're in English. But at grade school, they're in Spanish. And the teacher was supposed to be bilingual, but could not speak English. And then half the time, they didn't show up. Um, Puerto Rico was poor in that um, I'd go to school. Um, they'd serve us rice and beans. Everybody got rice and beans. Eat cheap, easy. They feed mm-hmm. you. But half the days, um, when they didn't show up, I spent my time on the beach. I grew up um, in, uh, in some ways being very poor. But at the same time, I, I remember sitting there on the beach going, I am lucky. I, I needed to embrace that. I needed to soak that in. The fact that I'm sitting here on the beach and no responsibilities, you know. And I was young, but I spent a lot of time in what's called Punta Salinas. It's a salt point. It's the name of a beach in Levitown Lakes, Puerto Rico. And um, again, there's 25 cents to take a van. I couldn't understand. I, 
I spoke more Spanish then than I do now mm-hmm. because I don't use it. Sure. I, I remember my great aunt speaking only in Spanish to me and me understanding her. Now I can, I can barely say a word. So I've been, I've been that far removed from it, trying yeah. to go bilingual school. Everybody went to school with what they call New Yorkans. Um, Puerto Ricans, I go to New York, come back, and what are they speaking to me? English, slang. So uh, mm. when I first went to um, university in Stevens Point, I had all my teachers correcting my double negatives. Because when I was speaking, I was speaking correct English. Mm. Okay. And yeah. it's hard not to slip back. So yeah. I'm always like, okay. Because I, I, if I see my mom, she put, again, incorrect English, uh, double negatives, that type. And it's hard. So... So I know that we've we've talked a little bit about um, like difference in work uh, ethic. Okay. From your, I don't know if it was a if it's like a generational thing or like um, how you have raised your kids and what you see. Kind of, do you see a difference in work ethic from when you were young? Because you said you're on the beach, you didn't have a lot of responsibility, but. Um, like, I remember us having a conversation about, yeah, I um, maybe spoil my kids or something. Yeah. Okay. Um, though, when I, when I spent time on the beach, it's when I was young. At the time, like, it was, I had a lot of time. And it was also because I didn't speak Spanish very well. But as I got older in Puerto Rico, um, my brother was a bartender on a cruise ship and okay. a couple of different nightclubs. He ended yeah. up getting me a job on a, a cruise ship called the Reina de la Bahia. That means queen of the bay. Mm. And we'd go hop around to all the islands. And it was the only way I could make money, and I was young. Um, so remember I was talking about going back and forth to Puerto Rico. I'm jumping real quick. But when I was in Virginia, so I, I left Puerto Rico multiple times. To mm-hmm. Austin, Texas. To okay. Houston, Texas. Yeah. To Virginia Beach. My dad was Navy. Tyndall Air Force Base mm-hmm. in Panama City, Florida. The, since I met 14, I've had a full-time job. When I went back to Puerto Rico, my brother was able to get me a job on the cruise ship. I worked in the bilge pumps, and that's where I started, and that was hard work. I remember hanging from a rope on the side of a cruise ship to clean the emblem. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it was bad. Was, okay, so, so I worked scary. really hard. What, what, what was yeah. that like? So what was that? I don't know what that is. Yeah. What were you doing? Cleaning the ship. I was cleaning the ship. But yeah. The bilge pump is you empty the bilge pump in the water, so what happens is it's water. They fill up the bilge pump, and um, when water goes... Um, they use water, the buoyant, that make the ship stay upright. Okay. Um, and so when they fill the bilge pump, I have to empty it. Sometimes you get too much water, you yep. need to empty it. I've run that. They tell me what to do. I was young, um, but it's hot. It's moist. It's wet down there, and you're like, okay, i got to empty, uh, empty the bilge pumps. Then I was cleaning. I'm making sure nobody would slip. Make sure I was picking up glasses. Um, it's a cruise ship, mm-hmm. so there's mm-hmm. people all the time. Yeah. Um, some people would ask you to get a drink, not realizing that I'm not a waiter, but you don't say no. It's a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. They want me to go get them a drink. I let the waitress know, a waiter know, hey, mm-hmm. I'd stop and it slows you down, but that's what you do. And then when we pull into dock, they're like, hey, we need you to go over. Um, so they put a big rope, I tie a rope, and they actually hang over the edge of the boat and make sure the emblem's all, everything looks nice and clean. Mm-hmm. Not the whole ship, just mm-hmm. the emblem. Okay. You yeah. know, and um, so that was a rainy day, La Bahia. And then I worked at two nightclubs. One of them is still there. It's closed. It's called mm-hmm. Lasers. Mm-hmm. There are discotheques in Puerto Rico back in the 80s. Oh, God, that's dating me. Uh, late 80s. 
Yeah. Um, it was a discotheque, and so what happens is um, you walk in the door, and um, laser was called lasers. Of course, they had lasers everywhere, and you dance. And I was just a waiter there. But back then, for me, two or three hundred dollars a night was awesome. Too. Yeah. It was huge. Yeah. It was right. a lot of money. Yeah. And I don't remember what I spent it on poppy comic books and. Like I said, I could drink at a bar because they don't have it. Didn't have an age limit there. Yeah. But again, it was all adults, and it was pretty crazy. A lot mm. of cocaine in the islands. Um, you'd get mm. tipped cocaine, little tiny packets. You're like, what? What is this? And it's because we're close to Cuba. It's close to South America. It's major transport. And again, in the '80s, that was the big thing. Right. You know, so yeah. it was just a crazy different life mm-hmm. than here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um. Okay. And I that's wanna... different than, I mean, that was your question. Right? Oh, no, How yeah. is that different? Yeah, yeah. 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 I want to yeah. circle back to You're the... right. I did finish the last part yeah. um, about the work ethic. So, so what happens is Puerto Rico is poor. And being poor, I always had to work. Well, my, my, my dad was always gone. My mom had six kids. Um, my, so my dad being Navy, it was just mm-hmm. with six kids, everything yeah. was just tight. We were poor. Yeah. Um, so I remember having chickens in the backyard. Um, my aunt grabbing, or being my great aunt, grabbing the chicken and actually breaking its neck and swinging it, oh, making wow. making asopal, which is uh, ch- like a chicken soup with rice, mm-hmm. uh, ch- uh, chicken. So we grew up that um, that way. If I wanted something, if I wanted to be in style, I wanted clothing, I had to have a job. Mm-hmm. My kids do not have that responsibility. I remember my dad saying, hey, you get paid, you need to help the family out. Mm-hmm. You need to help pay the bills. You need to pay, help us pay the rent. You need to help. We need you to donate. We yeah. need you to help pay out, uh, pay us. My kids don't have that responsibility. Right. Their phone's paid for. They mm-hmm. go to college. Their clothing is paid for. If they need something, they ask us and we give it to them. Mm-hmm. Now we've been waiting, going, you guys are in college, you need to get a job. Well, we're really tight, Dad. We have a, do you have food? Yes. Do you have a roof over your head? Yes. Then you need to get a job. Mm-hmm. You have clothing. If you guys need something, if you really need help, we'll help you. Yeah. But you need, uh, if there's things you want. Yeah. So they went from having everything to all of a sudden going, oh, we're starving college students. <laughs> well, they have to yeah. grow. Yeah. So I think that's great, though, like that you have set those that you have set those boundaries because I, I think it can be really easy um, for parents, especially when you can give, like to just give them everything, even because it's not, it's not that won't help them grow. No, I right? thought it would. I was trying to give them a different life than what I had yeah. growing yeah. up, yeah. Yeah. and I meant well by it. But then I saw the damage that it did it, that it did do um, as they're older. Going okay, mm-hmm. I think that's often the case. As parents, we try to give where we didn't have or fill gaps or, or give exactly. them experiences or overcorrect sometimes mm-hmm. um, versus letting them figure it out and experience it. Um, but it's interesting. It's a balance, too. At what age were you expected to get a job? I was working at 14, 15, yeah. and my dad, now this is not normal. I realize that, but I was giving my checks at 15 to my parents. Mm-hmm. So. They keep a little spending money out of it. So um, the other thing you were asking about Puerto Rico that's different is notice how I speak fast. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's a, that's a, in Puerto Rico, they speak really fast. Mm-hmm. Spanish, they spit it out. English, spit it out. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Everybody's like, slow down. We can't understand you. Yeah. And, yeah. So yes. you'll notice that when you go to Puerto Rico and they're English, they're like, you're like oh, okay, wait. <laughs> <laughs> and it depends on where you're at in the States. 
Exactly. I think, right? Like I think um, Midwest versus South versus East. Mm -hmm. Correct. Has different dialects and acceptable, whatever is normal in terms of. Well, just that in South, down South, you call people ma'am. It's an, it's antiquated, it's old, but it's okay. It's it's polite. Yeah. Up here, people are like, that make, makes makes me sound like I'm an old woman. I don't want to be called ma'am. I'm not old. But at the same time, you're like, well, that's how I learned. I've traveled enough to know going, okay, but it's not like you can go my lady. <laughs> you know, that's Victorian. So it's like, what's a good thing? And then my wife told me, she goes, why not, why not just say, don't say anything. Mm -hmm. Don't say ma'am. Don't just ask the question. Just don't add that at the end. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. you yeah. know? So just cultural differences and traveling and. Because I called the lady ma'am in London, and she goes, I am not a hooker. Mm -hmm. like, ooh, sorry. Oh. I didn't know that. So I was yeah. Like, yeah, it's, always, it's so hard to know. I know um, people who, ha who like, um, would get offended, right? Somebody from the South comes up and calls you, uh, like, ladies, uh, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... Uh, there was a gentleman, when I was working at Starbucks back in the day, there was a gentleman that came in, probably from Texas or somewhere down south, and called me sweetheart. And at first I was, like, put off, and then I, like, kind of thought about it. I'm like, okay, it's just, like, a cultural difference, and I'm not going to... Especially with older people. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, yeah. as long as they're a younger not person, being, no. Yeah, as long as they're not being, like... The context of it. Yeah, yeah. It's all about the context and the intention, I think. So I want to go back to the discotheques. Because okay. we've... See, now I'm remembering some stuff that we've talked about outside of this, right? Yeah, but this So, summer. like, we talked about dancing. You like dancing. I do. Yeah. So talk about that. Like, how? Like, do you do, like, formal dancing? Do you no salsa for example or is it more just like kind of uh john travolta style e okay <laughs> <laughs> like actual disco yeah, actually just disco the salsa probably danced on the boat yes bit, right salsa yeah. right. merengue yeah. um i've learned to dance um now this is gonna make me sound really old but i'm getting arthritis in my ankle and my hip a little bit oh, so no. the, the, the those type of moves just don't do it anymore i'm like i i, I think sure. about it because i can't pivot anymore or do oh. the perquets and then i'm yeah. like oh okay oh i'm never oh. so i'm it's getting older yeah um but that's yeah. i had a sister that taught me how to salsa use all my hips mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just how to dance like that and then you pull somebody with a rope <laughs> <laughs> that type of so nice. was, uh, dancing in puerto rico was actually very sensual mm -hmm. it was it, it was uh not during right. not a scene but it was uh it was it was it was it was just sensual mm -hmm. you know so and all kinds of type of um types of dancing, but also go to different islands. Mm -hmm. um, remember I was talking about working on the cruise ship, you go to different islands, it was different music. Mm -hmm. Traveling. Um, so as a kid, I was exposed to so much music and dancing from Texas, um, listening to country music. Florida, mm -hmm. I remember hearing like a banjo and a harmonica. You go to Puerto Rico and they have a gourd and the gourd has these lines in it and you take these two wires and it's... <laughs> And that's the instrument of the maracas. And you're like, okay, you're out there dancing. And yeah. um, winter is a big festival there. Um, mm -hmm. I remember as a kid being hoisted on shoulders and passed for a little bit and walked down the streets singing, and then singing uh, Christmas songs. Mm -hmm. um, 
so um, dancing has always been a part of my life. Yeah. I like to think yeah, I can dance. Awesome. I've been told I can dance really well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let's dance. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Okay. Now let's go to what are we drinking? So for those of you that are just listening, well, I guess we mentioned this already that we've poured a glass of wine, which James has graciously brought with him for to um, to share. So what are we what are we drinking? This is a silver oak, and this is a 2018 silver oak. It's five years old. Preferably, I like all my wines about eight. And mm. um, and I liked to decant them for a day, but I ended up picking this up at the Appleton Liquor. Um, so they had it. I was oh, looking for Camus, okay. but they didn't have it. But they had this one, so I ended up picking it up. And price point, it's about eighty-seven dollars for this bottle, and the wine is generally um, is something that can be aged. Mm -hmm. um, it's lighter on the palate. Yeah. You'll notice that um, as compared to a Camus, which is heavier. Yeah. Um, this um, is also a Cabernet, but it has the the signs like it like a Pinot Noir. When I think of it, when I drink, it's lighter. For a Cabernet, I find it a little bit lighter. Mm -hmm. Napa Valley, and again, um, just a, a 2018. But it's one of those that are always. Um, you'll see it at Tandem. You'll see that um, the stores they have it. Mm -hmm. So. I wonder if they would have it at, I imagine they probably might have it at Club Liquor in Menasha too. They would. They would have the yeah. biggest selection down yeah. there. So yeah. I get my Spanish Grenaches down at Club Liquor. They have a good choice of wines down there. Yeah. And that's We're, the one that makes that $300 link. wine I was telling you about. Yeah. We should link Club Liquor because they, they do have like a fantastic selection of wines. They do. Yeah. I was sharing a story earlier about buying a Schaefer Hillside Select. Mm -hmm. I was telling you that that was mm -hmm. about a three hundred something dollar bottle of wine. I was explaining it to Eden, um, and that I was sitting there with my neighbor Jen. I had that one, mm -hmm. and I or, um, ordered a thirty dollar bottle of wine. And at the time, I didn't know that Club Liquor had it, and that's the Spanish Grenache. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I had both of them side by side. The thirty dollar one tasted better than the three hundred dollar mm -hmm. bottle of wine. Yeah. So sometimes you got to be careful. <laughs> Just because it has a high price point doesn't mean it's worth it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a hard lesson to learn because I've tried some really nice wines in my time. That's so true. My yeah. boss once bought a bottle of um, Dom Perignon, and I think that was also like a $300 bottle of champagne. And um, we were over at his house and tried it, and I'm like, I can't. It's not. This is awful. <laughs> and I felt so bad, but it's like, you know, you don't need to spend a ton of money to... to no, but you... It's, and it's palate, it's too. Palate. But yeah. you want to you try it. You're like, okay, is it really worth it? Right. Um, remember George, when he opened Tandem on College Avenue, um, he had a lot of... Uh, what's, oh, my God. It's the golden box, and I'm trying to just like Cristal. Mm, uh, George mm -hmm. got swindled and ended up ordering this whole amount of Cristal. Mm. And, and he goes, James, I'll give it to you on a deal. And he's like, okay, Cristal is about $300 a bottle for champagne. We try to age it. And finally, we're like, it's summer. We decided to pop it open. We're like, it was so dry. It was not delicious at all. I was like, it's a big waste of money. I was not a fan. I don't care about these tiny bubbles that are supposed to burst in your mouth. I did not get, I did not get that effect. Yeah. I was disappointed. Yeah. It was a big waste of money. Yeah. So I was like, okay. The Cristal was not worth it. The wrappers can keep it. <laughs> so so that, that's, that's another lesson. So Yeah. You still get a buzz from it, though, right? Oh, exactly. I mean, yeah. 
Well, I had a 27-year-old uh, Irish whiskey that I also paid for. Mm. You guys sampled that. Remember the party? Yeah. Uh, you had the Classe Azul. So yes. I had uh, some very uh, rare vodka. Uh, it would be tequila. And mm. um, it came in the blue and white bottle. And they're handmade. Oh, my gosh. That was the best tequila that I've ever had in my I life. Which is, like, <laughs> I, it's tequila. Like, it's usually, tequila is one of those things that usually it either goes in a margarita or you shoot it. Right? Exactly. Like, that's what you do with tequila. Um, or tequila sunrise. Like, you yeah. usually are mixing it or shooting it. And um, and that was like a sipping tequila. It was. It's actually delicious. You're like, okay, this it's dangerous. Yeah. Because you, you, you can do multiple shots. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is so smooth. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you don't even want to shoot it though. Like it, it's actually it actually tastes good. And I think that's what I appreciate about wine is that it's not. It doesn't have to be. It can be, but it's not for me about like getting drunk, like. When I was, you know, back in my 20s, right, like you, you're you like drinking stuff to get drunk, so you're not spending a lot of money. Oh, exactly. You want the effect. Yeah. Um, but with wine, there is like, okay, there's there's a whole ritual to it. There's the swirling, and then there's the smelling, and then there's the tasting, and then there's the picking out the bouquet of aromas. Um, and the based on profiles. what, the, yeah, exactly. Based on like the vocabulary that you have and know around. Okay, what have I, what have I smelled or tasted that I'm picking up in this wine? So like it can it can last a while, and that's how I feel also about whiskey and scotch and and that particular tequila. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I still um, find myself drinking to get drunk. Is that you progress a 20s thing or into your 30s or I think it's maybe unique right to the individual uh no sometimes I like to have a I like to tie one on once in a while depends on <laughs> depends on the mood <laughs> and the feeling. On, like, exactly yeah. I, I enjoy yeah. wine yeah. I don't mean to uh get totally but like buzzed but what mm-hmm. happens is I have one glass I have two glasses all of a sudden I'm ready for a third mm-hmm. when I'm calling for a second bottle then it's time to party yeah so yeah Yes. And I've done that many times. Yeah. Um, let's talk about... Well, so we've been talking about wine. We've talked about music. So we're kind of going... I have this outline that I... Okay. Right. And obviously, it doesn't have to be in any particular order. Let's talk about gardening. Let's talk about um, your post-retirement hobbies, things that keep you going after having worked and what what gets you out of bed what excites you throughout the day i'm competitive meaning um so when i first moved in my backyard um it was it looked like the i lived in the backwoods i literally had 10 cedar trees against the fence a mound growing with flowers that the people lived there before me Mm -hmm. i decided to do these projects and so this was be 2011 I had this harebrained idea that I was going to go ahead and build a raised garden bed with concrete cinder blocks that are textured. That's the one you see in the backyard. Mm-hmm. I ordered, uh, it ended up being two and a half tons of bricks. And so it was, it may be even more than that, but because they brought them in pallets, they dropped them mm-hmm. off a semi came, they brought, brought them, lifted, left them in my uh, driveway. I had to haul each of those back there. And so I was like, wait, before I hauled it, so I decided with winter and the freezing that the ground buckles. 
And that's the number one thing that ruins your raised garden beds. So I started digging a hole, digging a trench, and putting other stuff in there. Mm-hmm. While the, at the mm-hmm. time I was building it, we decided to go ahead and have a re, uh, the paver patio put in. Mm-hmm. I ended up deciding to put the paver patio in the backyard. When they came in, my neighbor, where they're working on the patio, my, my neighbor saw me raised, working on the raised garden, but he goes, James, it's not going to last. You're not going deep enough. And it was getting hard because there's tree roots and everything. Mm-hmm. The guys came in and said, hey, we'll come over and we'll do the raised garden bed for you. At the time, my neighbor had a simple garden, just uh, like, uh, you know, the two by fours are a little bit bigger, maybe two by tens mm-hmm. with posts, metal posts holding your garden. She had all these tomatoes and plants and flowers in her yard. And it wasn't as big or as Labrador's mine, but it was greener. So I'm like, competition. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. I want to, I want to. Uh, so what I do is any, I, I have the time. So if I'm interested in something, whether it's wine, whether it's plants, I study things. Mm. I read about them. Mm-hmm. I, I just like cast iron or plants. So and the plants, I started reading what will grow here in Wisconsin. Remember the grapevine I have? Yes. That's a Frontenac grape. Um, they have that at Ledgestone. How's that doing, by the way? It's it's. I, I actually chopped it down. It was growing so much, but it, all, all I have is purple shit all over the yard. It's oh. the birds. My neighbors complain about the birds uh, pooping purple. It's from all the grapes. So everybody went like, James, you got to control those grapes. <laughs> That's how seriously, it's purple everywhere. I'm like, okay. Yeah, then I try to I try to make wine, but every time I try to make wine, the birds, uh, we put netting. We killed four birds. So just like, you got to take the netting down. We're killing too many birds. Mm-hmm. So we take the netting off the grapes. It's a lot of work. The grapevine mm-hmm. looks beautiful. Now mm-hmm. I'm doing table grapes instead of the grapes. Okay. Um, it's just easier to go buy a, um, a bottle than... The, to make the wine. That was the whole idea. That's what I started off with. Yeah. But with the birds and the purple poop everywhere and then just the carrot. I was like, okay. It was a lot of work. But no, the, seriously, in a few years, the, the vine was that thick. Hmm. You're talking, what, mm-hmm. two or three inches thick? Yeah. It, it, went, it, it grew between the, the metal post and it started growing around them. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay. Jen's like, what are you doing? Bat manure, you know, a bat guano, uh, cow manure. I kept adding it and adding it. I added sand, so it was, it was a labor of love. Mm-hmm. So the that garden, that raised garden, is specifically built for grapes, <laughs> and everything else. Like I said, we grew asparagus. We also grew broccoli back there. I did corn one year, mm-hmm. and um, now I'm doing flowers. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing wildflowers because I'm having a, a party, the wine party that you uh, mentioned before. Mm-hmm. This one's July 15th and the band, but I spend my, the beginning of the summer just getting ready for one party. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. because I like being outside. It's mm-hmm. just an excuse. Yep. Yep. Getting the yard ready, planting flowers, buying petunias, you know, um, doing all the flowers in the back and I just like it. I know that might sound strange, but I got clematis going in. I, I bought these three uh, trestles I'm putting against the fence so the clematis can grow up it and along the fence. Mm-hmm. I want the whole backyard just flowers. Mm-hmm. And it's just something I enjoy. I find mm-hmm. peace in it. I find peace in working outside. Mm-hmm. Chopping wood. Every spring, I'm out there chopping wood, yeah. making kindling. And uh, so I'm thinking about buying a, an axe. So um, it's, oh, a, yeah. called, it's, a, it's oh, called okay. a Grunsford. It's from Sweden. And... Oh, like a, a very special, like specific type, type of, of axe. axe. Okay. Yeah. So I don't need it. Is it? Do I even chop enough wood to uh, justify it? No. <laughs> it's something I want, you know, but I get involved in hobbies and I'm like, okay. Sometimes I'm like a kid in the candy store. I'm like, oh, oh, oh yeah, I really need that. 
I don't. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you like a lot of different toys. We got to see, Mike and I got to see your Jeep. Oh yeah, that's been a labor of love. You talk about your Jeep cuz I know that you're like you love that. <laughs> you love that machine. You oh, I do. you like it a lot. Well, it's so funny. Uh, I wanted a new Jeep. Okay, and a new Jeep's about $80,000. And my wife's like she's like we're I was talking I said I really want a Jeep. I really want a Jeep. And, you know, and I want an off-road Jeep, not a street Jeep. Um, mm. I really want a Jeep. And she goes, I got a surprise for you. I got you a Jeep. I'm like, really? She goes, you got to fly out and pick it up. And I'm like, fly out and pick it up. And she goes, yes, it's uh, your brother's holding on to it. I'm like, what? It's a 25-year-old Jeep. In vintage. <laughs> but what happens is it's the mountains of Colorado, high desert, mm. no rust. Mm. So I flew out there with my friend Alyssa. We drove it back. It was the most uncomfortable ride ever. And it's a gas guzzler. Mm. But we get it back. I'm looking at the mechanicals. I've never seen anything like this, James. It's 25 <laughs> years. There's no rust on it mm. whatsoever. No leaks. The engine's super clean. It has the inline six cast iron engine. Um, I don't it's know known what as bulletproof. <laughs> uh, so the engine is one of the top three engines ever built by Chrysler. Okay. Um, the longest lasting. Um, so the, the Jeep is a 25 years old, 125,000 miles on it. Mm. So I put all new uh, shocks, springs, suspension, new tires, um, 12 inches wide, and uh, 33 inch tires, 12 inches wide on it. Now it has a cargo net. I ended up taking it the month's audio. I put $1,200 in the two amps and the 10-gauge wire running through it. And then, so it has 10 speakers, and it's the shortest vehicle ever. It's tiny. Mm-hmm. So it's got 10 speakers and two 12-inch subs, uh, subwoofers in it with power. Yeah. So I was working on it, and it died because I was playing music. I forgot the lights. Uh, so the lights, I have LED dance lights. So when the music plays, the lights uh, flicker with the music. So it actually it ended up uh, dying while I was working on it because I ended up putting a cargo net in it. So my kid's like, can we take it to college? Can we take it to Burke County? Like, yeah. No, no. It's no. a party car. <laughs> well, you know, you could k- cripple the next the, this generation stick shift and typing. Seriously, mm. recursive. They can't do it. Either one of them. I'm like, you can if you can learn stick, nobody knows how to drive stick. You, when your wife purchased it, she knew what she was doing, and she or she got lucky, or somewhere in between. Although uh, she advised uh, her, it it was funny when I picked up the Jeep. It was pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. beat up. It was old, um, but she knew that I'd have the time. And again, number talking about learning how to do everything, doing everything yourself. I can work on the Jeep. Mm-hmm. I took I moved took the engine apart. I moved the engine over off the fender, and I replaced the fender. Mm-hmm. I put a new fender, and my neighbor's daughter helped me in exchange for being able to drive the Jeep. Nice. Yes, That's until she realized it was a stick. Both of you. <laughs> yeah. Until she realized it was oh, a stick and she's going to drive it. So sure. she's driving my Durango. Okay. So this whole school year, she's had my Durango to drive back and forth to school. Sure. Because we have, to, we, we were kind of like car rich. It does, they're beaters, but we have a lot of cars and the kids didn't take mm-hmm. them. They can't drive stick. We have a Honda that's sitting in our driveway that nobody can drive other mm-hmm. than me and my wife. Mm-hmm. We have a Mazda that we drive, and I have the Durango, and mm-hmm. I have a Jeep. Okay. So, well, but the kids if, need a car, but they can't drive because they if, don't want to drive stick. If we're ever in dire straits, I can drive a stick. That's and, awesome. Yeah. This generation cannot. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. I think my my second. It was an awful car, but my second car was a stick shift, so I had to learn how to drive it. Okay. It didn't cost me any money, thank goodness, but um, it died very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. I feel like. 
Not due to your driving skills. You Not to due to that. my driving skills, yeah. Eden. I'm a very good driver. So, yes. Well, we're excited to take the Jeep up to Door County. That's the whole reason we got it. And yeah. So, yeah, and that's awesome. Just go wine tasting. I'm taking off the yeah. doors. Yeah. So, no doors and putting stirrups on the outside of it so you can put your legs outside of the vehicle. <laughs> it's so. Just cruising around Door <laughs> County and have some wine. Exactly. Yeah. It's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. So. Nice. What are some of your favorite places to check out? I'd be Simon Creek was one of them. Mm -hmm. Door Peninsula wineries, fruit wines, not as much. Yeah. But like Simon Creek, um, there's another one I'm trying to parallel. Forty four is good. Mm -hmm. Captain's Walk mm -hmm. has a wine that I like. Um, that's more towards Green Bay. Yeah. But um, I've been up there and I've done them all. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Excuse me. Let's talk about, um, ooh, let's talk about, should we get into photography? Sure. Let's talk about photography. Um, one of, or, mm, how did you get into photography? What interests you about the visual arts? Um, photography started young. Um, when is, um, in Puerto Rico, um, I wasn't. I didn't have a lot of things to look at. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember watching Speed Racer on TV, and that'd be in Spanish. So I had to find something. It was National Geographic. I'd see the magazines. Mm -hmm. I'd see all the animals, and I, I was like, "Oh man, I travel a lot. I wanted to get into photography." Ideally, originally, it was traveling and mm -hmm. animals, taking pictures. Yeah. Um, I remember saving up and went to a pawn shop to buy my first camera. And I can't remember the name of it now, and I would, but uh, just a mind block. And I, I saved up and bought this camera, and it was a 35 millimeter camera. The film, you take a picture and do each one. And I ended up with rolls and rolls of film, and half of them I probably never even developed. I just kept taking pictures, and at the time I couldn't afford to develop all of them at the time. And uh, I started pictures, doing pictures that way. And, and in photography, I just kept taking photos. I entered some competitions. Mm -hmm. I won some competitions along the way. And it was, it was exciting. It opened a door. Um, then I started going to school for computer science. I was able to bring my love of photography into mm -hmm. what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I ended up taking pictures of llamas, condos, uh, gas stations. Um, when I did the website, so at Apple Hill Farms, I did their mm -hmm. website. I'd end up taking pictures of all the homes off of Ballard. And they're million dollar homes and I'd sit there and sit on the, the knoll. I remember the owner taking me through the, they have a hundred acre nature reserve, take me through the nature reserve mm -hmm. and I take pictures of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he's like, I love the photos. And I ended up taking pictures of um, Apple Hill Farms. They owned, he was also the owner of Appleton Wire and Green Power Technologies. They hired me to take pictures of all the gas station lighting. Mm -hmm. They were doing uh, LED lighting in all their coolers. So I ended up doing lighting mm -hmm. in there. Um, and I've been doing pictures for a long time. Um, and then I've also been asked, I did portraits as well. And um, so I've done a lot of different type of photography and mm -hmm. some of like from posing uh, models to um, animals, llama mm -hmm. ranches, um, mountains, yeah. everything like that. For some of those projects, you took the photos and then also built the website. That is, is correct. That true? Yeah, that's cool. That was your profession? That was my profession. Web design? And Web design, and um, I did uh, photography as well. Yeah. So, and I've been doing it for a long time. When I did, uh, I went to school for uh, 
uh, it was basically computer science. It's programming, C++, COBOL, Fortran, banking languages. Um, then I went back to school at um, Fox Valley Technical, and that was the visual arts as far as doing mm. um, using Photoshop, using oh, uh, sure. Flash. I learned Flash, and that died. It's a language that died. Mm. But it wasn't really a language. It was more an app. So I used to be able to do Flash. All of a sudden, websites couldn't use it. There's some languages that I've learned that hit a point, and all of a sudden, they just disappeared. Mm. So now there's Python. There's different languages. Um, but photography is something I always enjoyed. My kids took it over. Um, mm. So my son had come up and asked me. I got to be careful. Um, so about some photography, he started the same thing that you've heard before about for some photography. I have my kids asking, and we're like, I've done a lot of type different types of photography, mm-hmm. and um, some of it, like I said, um, is gone um, on the fridge. I've been asked to do. Um, I've had um, people ask me to do uh, photos for themselves to give as a gift. Sure. You yeah. know, um, like, that type. Like, like boudoir photography. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, things like that. But um, I was really good at it. I stopped doing photography. Um, one, I had cataract surgery. I've had three cataract surgeries mm. um, from diabetes and a carpal tunnel. Okay. So just messing with things, my hands hurt. Yeah. And then my eyes were, were getting to the point where we were cloudy. I haven't been able to see very well for five years. Okay. So and it took that long for them to operate in my eyes. They were waiting. They were waiting for it to actually block my vision before they did it. Sure. So. But you can see enough to drive. Oh, now. Okay. I have fake my eyes. My lenses are artificial. Oh. Okay. So I had the cataract surgery, so I have artificial lenses. I can okay. see really far, really far. I cannot see close without glasses. I just want to make sure that if we're on the road at oh, the yeah. same oh, time, no. that I don't. <laughs> I can see far, but. Uh, with diabetes, I had a choices. It's so funny with cataracts, you get three choices of lenses: good, better, or best. Yeah. And they all cost different. Mm-hmm. The doctor says not that I don't want to give you the best, James. Is that your eyes, because of diabetic retinopathy, the bleeding? It's called hemorrhaging in the back of the eyes. Mm. They gave me the lower end lenses, which allowed me to see twenty twenty mm-hmm. really far away. I'm perfect for driving. I can't read this without. Reading glasses. Sure. There's lenses that you could put in your eye that you could read and 15-15 vision. Oh, okay. But okay. because of all the diabetes and the surgeries, laser surgeries, they won't put them in your eyes. Right. Okay. And that's how it changed. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm, okay. And I can talk forever. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, start I'm a like... subject. <laughs> but do you have any more questions? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yes. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could go out doing llamas, spitting on you, taking pictures of them. <laughs> That's what I wanted to ask. What are some of your, not about the spitting llamas, but um, although do talk about that, um, about what is what have been some of your favorite projects? One of my favorite projects I did, um, and it was when I was new, um, is before I even was... Um, no, it was after school. Um, what happens is we lived in um, um, Divide, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is going back a long time ago. I was one of the first three people ever on medical marijuana. I ended up getting a medical marijuana permit um, at the time. And what happens is I had 40 plants growing in the garage. Caden um, was a baby. He had to be about two years old. Mm-hmm. Um, the We lived in the mountains and I was about 10,000 feet high, the tree line. You can see the tree line. We had trees around us, but the air was so clean. But what happens is where the garage was built, where we were renting this log home 
from at the time. It was built back then. They were throwing the trash in the mountains. Mm. They buried it in mm. dirt and built the garage on top of it. It was it was starting. The garage was starting to slip down the hill. So the owner of the property had decided to come out with an architect to look at the garage to see how they could bolster it up. Mm -hmm. They noticed, they saw that everything was boarded up. And then they saw somebody, they thought I had some chicks in there. And uh, so, um, like chickens, I was trying to raise chickens in the garage and starting the eggs in there. They went in there and it was all plants. Yeah. So they ended up calling the... uh, the sheriff's department, which called Colorado Springs. Well, when that happens is they came up and they, my wife had called me and saw them down there. She goes, what do I do? You have all those plants down there. And at the time I was medical marijuana, but Zurich Insurance, I used to work for Zurich Insurance on their computers. Um, they used to let me smoke since it was so new. They knew I was medical marijuana because I got it in what's called Marinol pill form. So I take this pill that mm-hmm. I take, um, and, but I was growing in Colorado, but I had the pill federally. I get it through a pharmacy, and I still I'm still on those pills today, mm-hmm. and that's called Marinol. So what happens is uh, Zurich Insurance gave me a, a designated area to smoke my marijuana. I can have smoke my joint, um, uh, but I had to be separated from everybody. So it, okay. it drew a lot of attention. But people like. You got to oh you get to smoke a joint you get to go in the pipe right. room and, you know you're okay <laughs> only in a us? certain yeah. location of place. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. so they they put me in a tool room yeah. okay so keep me isolated from yeah. everybody right. that was Zurich Insurance in Colorado Springs well anyways when the cops came they answered on the north the hell house was surrounded it was embarrassing my wife was on the couch and it was all covered up and they came and I remember this. Because they knocked on the door. I invited them in. They said, we're here. We're searching this warrant. I said, yes, I am. I'll, let me show you where. And I don't know. I was just calm. I asked the guy, if he, asked the sheriff if he wanted a steak. I was cooking a steak. I said, you guys, you hungry? You want a steak? And then the Puerto Rican thing. Maybe I was nervous. I said steak. They said, no. All of a sudden, I said, I'll show you what it is. And there were steps, but I slid down the ground. I remember sliding down because it was really steep because living in the mountains, everything is like... I just slid down there. He's like, be careful you don't break. I'm, I'm so used to just sliding down. But I live there. Mm-hmm. And I was like sliding down to the garage on the concrete. And they're walking down the steps. Not concrete, but on the gravel. Okay. And they came out and they ended up arresting me. Now, this is the craziest thing is when they arrested me, they took me to jail. They had to hire a nurse to give me my Marinol. <laughs> so they arrested me for marijuana, but I had to keep me stoned. <laughs> while they arrested me okay. so they put me in isolation I wasn't allowed to talk to everybody else everybody was yelling at me like what so so the, for two weeks I here I was arrested and they had to hire a nurse to give me bring me my insulin give me my shot make sure I had my marinol four times a day so I sat there arrested and I'm stoned really stoned I'm like okay I don't take this much a day but <laughs> they came and brought it to me and I'm like because I'm supposed to take it four times a day but I twice I'm good yeah, yeah but they like you Here's your medicine. You need to take it, and you have to. They wanted to see me take it because I can't pass it to anybody. Oh, sure. So yeah. four times a day, I was like, okay, I'm like really stoned, and um, ended up getting out. So they ended up going to court, and it was Teller County. We ended up going to court, and it was a federal thing. Ended up winning. All charges wow. were dropped. All plants were returned. But I am not allowed to drive in the state of Colorado because I am technically stoned constantly. <laughs> <laughs> But everybody is. I mean, yeah. It's legal there now. Yeah. So I have this. You're just uh, ahead I, of your time. Yeah. Yeah. I have this ordinance yeah. that I can't. I can't yeah. drive in Colorado. Yeah. So it's it's actually pretty crazy, and uh, so we did share a lot of things with the kids, and 
like I said. So they know the story now as they're yeah. older, but yeah. it, it was it was crazy. It was scary for yeah. a bit. I it imagine. was. Yep. Yeah. I missed my son's. Uh, the twins were born in Chicago. My wife was pregnant at the time when I was dealing with court, and she was on bed rest for six months because she mm -hmm. was already dilated after the third month mm -hmm. from the twins, and she ended up having the twins at a special. Uh, um, it was a twin hospital in Chicago. And I, right now, I can't remember the name. So when the kids were born, I had to stay in Colorado. I wasn't allowed to leave the state until court was over. Mm -hmm. So, okay. But the thing is, I won, but I still had to pay $1,500 in court costs. Right. You still get, no matter what, it doesn't matter if you win, you still have to pay the fees. Yeah. And, so it really sucked. And two so, weeks served. Yeah, exactly. You don't get that back. You don't get and, that back. Yeah, and what you missed. So, yeah. You try to laugh at the story, but it really sucked because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And being a diabetic, my sugar is going everywhere. And I'm like, okay, what happens when I have an insulin accident? Are they going to listen to me? You know? But I heard the, I was a sergeant and a lieutenant um, at the sheriff's office. They were arguing. And I remember the lieutenant saying, it's not for us to decide. And the sergeant's going, it's, it's, this is bad. We're mm -hmm. arresting him and we have to give it to him. Mm -hmm. it's, we should just let him go. Mm -hmm. we should, that's it. And I remember the lieutenant telling the sergeant going, that's not our call. He has to go through the system. Mm -hmm. They were arguing sure. among themselves because that's where they arrested. My lawyer told me what saved me was the fact that I was so polite. They said most people get argumentative and you're not coming to my house. It wasn't mm -hmm. that. It was the fact that come in and I'll show you where it's at. Mm -hmm. And I was so polite yeah, about it. That's, yeah. So, what good. what is the the medical marijuana is for or was diagnosed for? A gastroparesis. Um, it's um, from diabetes. Okay. So I have um, number um, smaller. Um, lost a lot of weight. It affects your stomach and large intestines. It's called the pylorus muscle at the end of your stomach. It's what opens up and lets the food out. That's damage. So sometimes it doesn't open at all. And so you end up eating and it might sit in your stomach for hours. Um, and then you would throw it up and you would get what's called bezoars. And bezoars are undigested fiber because um, that can't make it through the pylorus mm -hmm. muscle. And you end up throwing up. And so it's hard for uh, me, um, anybody that has gastroparesis to keep weight on. So, um, okay. so I used to be 170, 178 pounds. I'm 126, so a big difference. Mm -hmm. So 50 pounds lighter than I used to be. Yeah. And um, so that's what the medicine's for. Got it. But it was the only way they could do it. So funny, uh, weed's illegal, but the, it's synthetic THC in its purest form. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's what Marinol is. That's, that's like I said, it's crazy. I came here and I, I've been on it since 2000. But mm -hmm. I first went on it in Madison. Mm -hmm. So, it was hard to argue for. I've had doctors try to take me off, trying to put me on metalchloropromide and propulsive, two different medicines, okay. but they cause jaundice, they have different side effects. Okay. I'd rather be on something natural that doesn't have those that side effects. That doesn't have right? those, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. That wasn't one for the questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story, though. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm trying to think where I want to go. Where we want to go. Oh, busyness. You like to stay busy. I do. And that relates to um, diabetes. Um, and the reason I say that is I've always been energetic. I like home projects. I leather craft. I make my own belts, make my own wallets. Mm -hmm. 
I find, um, but that's sitting. So I'm trying to do more. What happens is um, being a diabetic for so long, I was taking insulin shots and uh, with needles. It causes scar tissue. And with the new pod, um, it's a pod, it's been out for a while, but I've been on an insulin pod probably since maybe around 2005, 2007. I can't remember exact year. What happens is um, the device injects the needle into itself and it follows with the, uh, a tube. Okay. With scar tissue, what happens is that insulin is not being picked up. What I find is if I'm busy and I'm moving, mm-hmm. I get insulin. It's, it's twofold. One, I'm busy, naturally busy. But as you get older, sometimes I just get tired. I don't feel like doing something as much. But if I don't keep moving, my sugar goes high. If I, if I sit too long, my sugar goes high. It's not good for me. I don't okay. feel well. Moving, activity, flexing, stretching enables the insulin to go through my body. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was at Georgia's, I was cleaning bottles or wiping. It's because I... Sitting at a uh, at a bench or a stool too long is not good for me. Okay. So I try to keep busy. I try to, whether it's gardening, but the mm-hmm. best I feel is in the summer. I'm mm-hmm. moving, I'm gardening, I'm, I'm, I'm painting something, I'm working on something. Mm-hmm. That's so what I feel there's about. That, there's that like physical benefit to your moving. Correct. What do you find is, is there, um, do you find a like mental benefit to that as well or... Do you ever feel like, oh, I wish that I could rest more? Um, I, there's a mental benefit to working out in the sun and t- being tired and sleeping better. At the same time, as you get older, I'm just like, sometimes I'm exhausted. Yeah. Sometimes I wish I could just sit back and watch TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't sit and watch an, uh, more than an hour show. Okay. Excuse me. Um, and the reason is, is if I sit too long, I get my sugar starts going high. Right. Yeah. I have to find, so I, my house is really clean. You'll hear from my kids all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, Dad, you're a clean freak. No, I'm keeping busy. Yeah. Uh, painting the kitchen. I just repainted the kitchen. I just fixed the fan. I, I do everything. If I don't know how to do it, YouTube it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's why I'm always working on the house or I redid the floors. Mm-hmm. Said, uh, so I went to go have the wood floors. Uh, give you an example. I did it myself because when I called to have it done, they wanted as much as the wood floors cost to sand it and refinish it. Well, I sanded it with a circular sander. <laughs> I redid my floors myself. Okay. A piece of wow. Some of that is mindset stuff, though, I think. Yes. Right? Like, some of that is I can do it or I want to learn or, the, right? Like, I think I think that's growth mindset stuff that might might seem natural to you or that's just who you are. Um, just to knock it out. Just to, just that you can do it yeah. or that you can learn something new or that and you can try it. Up, if I mess it up, they can always come back and fix it. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'd rather do it myself. It's never yeah. perfect. Yeah. But I still, um, just like fixing a fan, mm-hmm. uh, it's a switch. The, the cord wasn't working. Mm-hmm. It's a change switch. It's $6. It beats buying a $200 fan again. Mm-hmm. I just changed it. I took everything out. I took the wires off, shut the power off, and did it myself. Yeah. It's that simple. So. Yeah. Before, you had to be taught by somebody. Remember? Um, so um, my work ethic comes. My dad was always gone. I've had a lot of people, men in my life, in my life that have come in and taught me things. Mm-hmm. Hey, you want to make some money? They mm-hmm. can tell that they get my clothes or hand-me-downs or goodwill. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, you want to make some money? We'll teach, I'll teach you how to do this. Mm-hmm. Changing my own breaks. 
I can't do it anymore. I don't have the hands for it. Sure. Changing my own brakes or yeah. uh, taking the top off an engine and doing the uh, O-rings, mm. things like that. Mm -hmm. I, I could do it, but now um, that, that sucks. That part of not being able to use the hands as much. Yeah. Let's talk about travel. Okay. Um, you've traveled to a number of different places. Maybe talk about some of your favorite countries, some of your favorite places in the U.S. Okay, in the U.S. or abroad? Both. Abroad. Yeah. Um, let me go with abroad. Um, I was in Istanbul. Mm. I loved it. Not um, Constantinople. I was the not Constantinople <laughs> previously. Um, I know I said it badly. <laughs> We've been drinking wine. <laughs> um, it was it was a, it was a culture shock. Um, so what happens is we ended up going to Greece and then Istanbul afterwards for three weeks. Actually, it was 18 days. Um, we ended up um, first flying into Athens and then going to the island of Crete. And when we were in Crete, we stayed at the, this place that was ridiculous. Um, we ended up getting uh, using Marriott points for the place that we were staying at. Mm -hmm. And it was on the, it was just overlooking this bay on the island of Crete. And it was the never Puerto Rico is different. Um, you'd have to up get your own drink. When I was sitting on the umbrella, there was a button to push. They come out and they bring you a glass of water. You push the button, you get the drink while you're laying the sun tanning. Okay, I just I need, pushed the button. I need to know where this place is because no, it, it was amazing. so ridiculous. We did it. Dad goes, we're only doing it once. My wife Jen's like, okay, once. I pressed the button. The water was twenty dollars. Oh yeah. Okay, we're like, okay, we're not pressing that button anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. We enjoyed it, but um, when we got into the mountains, so dinner at the resort, it's an American resort in Greece, in the island of Crete. Um, dinner was two hundred dollars, and it was fish and a salad. And she's a vegetarian, but that's the meal, and we had uh, Greek wine. We learned our lesson after that night. Mm. We decided to go up, and she wanted to go visit some of these spice places and Olive Gardens. Not Olive Garden, as you think here, like a restaurant. Right, but they yeah. actually have olives, the oldest olive tree in the world. It's 4,000 years old mm. on the island of Crete. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to go visit that. And uh, so we went up there, and we decided to eat at this place. And so we get the salad. And the salad bowl is literally this big. The salad is this. It's, it's huge. Mm. Chopped vegetables loaded with olive oil. Then we had wine. We ended up having four glasses of wine, fish. She ate the salad, and she's telling them she's a vegetarian, and they all speak English. So she's telling them that she's a vegetarian. So they bring her something out, and we're eating it. We get the bills, $23. That's amazing. $23. <laughs> and we're like, okay. But dinner um, in Greece, when we were there, was three hours long. They did not rush to get to us. Mm -hmm. not, everything was on the table. They filled the wine. They filled it. It was healthy. Yeah. You didn't have to rush. They didn't come back. They didn't bother you. Here, when we eat here in the States, I drink my wine, we eat our meal, we're mm -hmm. out. I'm like yeah. That's a lot of money to spend for less than an hour of eating dinner. Right. In Greece, dinner was three hours. It's an experience. It's mm -hmm. an experience. And yeah. at, the, at the end, yeah. they kept giving us, they have, it's not ouzo. I think it's like a chap, it's a licorice drink, but um, it's like, I think it's ouzo, but it's, um, everything was a shot. There was always a shot. They, they said hi to you. It was a shot. We stopped on the road and got a shot. You're like, okay. They kept giving you shots. And you're like, okay, this is, it's crazy. But even so dinner. Then, so again, we went to Elephanisi Beach there. 
driving was on the left hand side it was weird and I had to do all the driving because Jen uh, um, has a bad knee and just the stick shift was too hard for her and it was just really hurting her at the time you know I was driving and it was just opposite driving so it was hard to get get used to it yeah. all of a sudden you, the, your mind automatically wants to go right and lower on the opposite side of the road there and uh, so we ended up going to Ballos Beach, Elephanisi Beach. Uh, then we went to the beach, and it was so funny. Is on Elephanisi Beach, we were there, and me and Jen are like, "Okay, we're gonna go out to the beach." And all of a sudden, the beach says, "No clothing allowed." And in the states, you mm -hmm. can choose to go nude. There, you don't have a choice but to mm -hmm. go nude because you'd stand out. You'd be the weirdo, you know, you're a pervert, get off the beach, get yeah. off, you know. Yeah. It's, it took her three days to decide to go to the beach and it was 103 degrees. So we kept running into the water. But then you realize it's kids, parents, grandparents, everybody, it doesn't, all of a sudden you don't even realize it anymore. You yeah. just, you're just having fun. Yeah. Right. And you don't think about it. Um, so we, we were there um, for less than two weeks, but um, part of our experience there, we met this German man and his wife who was from France, and she was French, um, and his name was Jens, and Jens is Jen, J-E-N, that's it, it's Jens oh, in German, okay. and it's left with an S, so his name was Jens, and his wife, I can't remember his, his wife's name, but they came up to us, we we're so funny, we're sitting out, and we're out at the resort, we're having a glass of wine, we're nude, sitting on towels. Mm -hmm. Okay, he comes up walking up. He's totally nude. Hi, hi. But you, you have the, the, the welcoming party. Would yeah. you guys like to join us? Yeah. And we're like, for dinner tonight? We're like, yes. So dinner, you were clothed. For dinner, you were clothed. Okay. Okay, so we're on dinner. But for dinner, you're clothed. But people come up and you're like, okay, you want to play darts? You want to, everything's nude. And you're like, oh, okay, we'll go play darts. <laughs> so it was, it was uh, quite the game changer. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like okay we, we try to get used to that I'm a little bit more used to it but Jen was not at all mm -hmm. you know it's never been a naturalist ever been new before and she's like literally three days ago to the beach get, just getting prepped for it she goes I'm a mom of three I'm 50 years old you know this is going to be hard but she ended mm -hmm. up doing it and then all of a sudden she goes it was actually pretty nice mm -hmm. it was uh that's awesome. You, yeah. There's nothing to judge you it's can't freeing. judge people yeah. Yeah, it's free right. you yeah. can't judge people by clothing uh, money there's there's nothing to judge somebody mm -hmm. by. Mm -hmm. um, so it was pretty miraculous. Um, but at the end of that trip, we decided that we, we already had a plan to go to Istanbul. We go to Istanbul, it was a culture shock. We get there, everybody, Jen had to cover her hair. Uh, she couldn't walk in with her shoes. Um, so she had to take off her shoes, and only she had to at certain places. Oh, and then oh, like, okay. there's one place we all had to take our shoes off, and it was the chapel. We went to Hagia Sophia. Um, and then we also went to the Basilica Cisterns. And the James Bond movie, well, the pillars underground where they collected the water. We, they had a Medusa upside down. It was amazing. Hmm. Everything we saw there, breakfast was 80 cents. Yeah. 80, 80 cents. And we went to the Grand Bazaar. The, uh, it's the largest shopping and stalls I've ever seen. Thousands of years old. Spices laid out. It was. It was just. I ended up bringing a chess set back from there, mm. and it ended up cost me four hundred dollars. I'm sure he made a lot of money because mm. everything else was so cheap. Sure. Like I said, a, a couple dollars to eat, and when you realize was that, this it's like just, a hand carved set. It's hand. It's okay. uh, called misham. It's what they make their pipes out uh, okay. pipes out of. Okay. So the, it's hand carved, but it's the Ottoman Empire against the knights. Mm. You know, from the um. So you would say that it'd be the, the Crusades. Yeah. The Crusaders. 
Did you travel with the group? Or no, it's you? just me and her. Yeah, and you knew where to go or you had spots picked out? No, or? Jen had been to Turkey in high school for as a foreign exchange student. Okay. Um, we decided to do something different, so we wanted to go back to Istanbul. She wanted to go Eastern, and it, it was dangerous. They told us not to. They warned us not to go because we would be shot. Yeah. And um, uh, But Istanbul was safer at the time when we went there. Greece, we didn't worry about anything. Um, and it was pretty amazing. Um, and that was uh, Greece and Istanbul. Mm -hmm. But my other favorite place would be Ireland. Mm -hmm. um, Ireland was, um, when they say the Emerald Isle, um, I remember going to the beaches in Northern Ireland. There was a, uh, it was a palm tree on the beach. And it blew my mind and I was trying to understand it because it's always 55, 60. It was mm -hmm. enough for it to grow. The, what happens is the Atlantic Ocean hits the equator and comes back up on their side. And it's warmer. Even though they're farther north, we were in Ireland. It was 11 o'clock at night, and it was still dusk out. You could see. Like, mm. it was just low-level light. It wasn't dark. Mm -hmm. And that's the middle of summer. Okay. But the temperature was 55, 16. It rained. It did rain a lot. Okay. But we did have clear days. Mm -hmm. And my father-in-law is from Ireland. He had asked me to do a family website in exchange. He goes, he goes I will take you in the family if you do this website for me, James. And I'm like, okay. That's a great deal. It was a big website. It's like over 40 pages. Okay. okay. <laughs> Birth certificates and genealogy. Oh, oh, it was a lot sure. of work. It was a huge yeah, website. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up doing the website for him in exchange to go to Ireland. And we stayed in what was called uh, Swinford, um, Ireland. So some of my sweaters, the, the big white one, that's actually an Aaron sweater we got there. Mm -hmm. uh, so all, the, all my sweaters are actually from Ireland. Okay. And... Uh, so I ended up buying all my sweaters there, but Ireland was beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, green, people, um, small towns, poor, drank a lot, music a lot. So we were at this bar and it was all families. And uh, so we're sitting there and we're just talking. All of a sudden somebody breaks out a fiddle, starts playing the fiddle. Everybody stops talking, sets their drink down, joins the song, sings the song while the guy plays the fiddle. He stops, they all go back to talking and drinking. All of a sudden, somebody brings out a guitar, starts singing, everybody stops, puts it down, everybody joins the song, they all know it, they all sing it, and you're like, okay, this is pretty damn cool. <laughs> That's but, amazing. Exactly, but the kids are in the bar. So, mm -hmm. and then, I'm like, let's play pool. It only had, it had nine things in the middle. I don't know what the pool table's called, but it had these bumpers, like the, the pegs that stood up with bumpers on them. Yeah. And that's, it wasn't a pool, regular pool, but it was totally different. Mm. And okay, when, yep. But the biggest thing in all those places is don't tip. I tipped. I tried to make him tip, and the guy told me, he goes, I work for my money. There's no tipping in Europe. They think we're mm. crazy for tipping. They think we're being flashy. They think we're showing mm. off our money. They take it the wrong way. It's not being polite. It's being rude to them. Mm. Do not tip. Mm. They work for the money. You pay the price that you get, and that's you get what you, We only tip in the U.S., Mm. Maybe in Puerto Rico you do, but everybody's asking for a tip here mm -hmm. overseas. It's, you don't tip. Mm -hmm. And it, it's nice. It's refreshing because that's a big part. And things are a lot cheaper. It depends where you go. When I was in London, London, our dollar was worth 50 cents. So we ended up going to McDonald's. It was a, a we had a, it was a, not a Big Mac. They had a different name for it. Um, mm. But it was my half, like a meal was $13. $14 for a, a hamburger at Big Mac. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, it was a Burger King. But they again, they called it something mm -hmm. different. But again, ice was hard. Our large size is big. Their large size is small. Mm -hmm. Everything's smaller. We, mm -hmm. we 
everything's huge here. Yeah. You know? Just adjust and learn and make mistakes and oh, exactly. right. Is that is that how you go about it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I educate myself before I go and yeah. visit some place. I try to have an idea. Mm-hmm. I try to learn the language, and it's hard. I did in Greece. Mm-hmm. But seriously, they gave us directions, but everything is literally Greek. <laughs> like the whole time, you're like, I can't even read that. It's like an O with a line through it. I don't even know how to pronounce that. I don't care how much I try. To get. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm lost. We were lost. We thankfully found a hotel, but it was it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Kept driving in circles for a while. We're like, we need help. We're lost. And then some people try to speak English, and then they got an accent. You're like, okay, they're not getting it. So it took us two and a half hours to get to our hotel. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. It should only have been 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, oops. <laughs> exactly. There, but there, um, the other thing, there was no clothes. Um, when we stayed at the hotel, there's no place to wash your clothes. Mm. We had to go to a clothes washer, but they don't allow you to put it in the machine. You had to pay them to wash all your clothes. Mm-hmm. You gave them all your clothes and they took care of it. How long were you in Greece? Um, we were there for be a little bit less than two weeks. Okay. Um, and yeah. then because we were in Istanbul for, I think, seven days. Okay. A total 18, so 11 days in Greece. Yeah. We went to Athens for three days. So we arrived in Athens, but we didn't stay in Athens. Uh, we went to the island of Crete right away. Mm-hmm. When we left Crete to go to Istanbul, we stopped in Athens, um, but that was only a connection flight. We went to Istanbul. When we left Istanbul, we had to go back to Athens to fly out, and we stayed three days in Athens, and that's when we went to the Acropolis and all the, all the, um, the ruins and all the, everything that we saw there. Sure. We went through the opera there, okay. and it was, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. So we, went, we were in the, um, oh gosh, I, I can't remember the name of it right now show you but i have a video of it they can't see the video but what it is is just to show you guys an idea maybe uh, the acropolis that's what it was we ended up going to the acropolis and we were there and we watched in the video and i'm trying to find one where they're singing and it was here and and it was an opera singer and the guy this was his last performance at the acropolis and it was in greek we couldn't understand it but the thing is the whole all the seats all the seats were solid marble. So the day is 103 degrees, but we sat on the seats, so the seats were 96 degrees. What's in the going? I'm like, I'm sweating. I need some water. I felt like I was gonna pass out. Everybody else was used to the heat. But again, it was just, it, it was amazing. And then we sat there and fanning ourselves. It, it was just crazy. But we had to walk up this, uh, basically the Acropolis is just, it's a mountain. That's what it's called. It's a mountain that you climb up a plateau where, the, where all the temple was used. The Temple yeah. of Hercules, everything. What was the um, what was the name of that opera? Do you remember? That, oh, I, I can't. I can't even. I can. I cannot even pronounce it. It was that crazy. Seriously. So, um, and then Istanbul is different. Like when I talk about, so you talk about architecture and differences, like the mountains. Uh, you go there, so Greece is totally different. Uh, cancel. Hold on. Um, you go to different, depending on where you're going. So the, I put in Athens here, but um, when we went to Istanbul, everything is a mosque. Everything is dome, huge. Mm-hmm. It's this, mm-hmm. it was an hour and a half flight. You went from everybody covering their bodies to everybody That's being incredible. nude. Yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah. such a, it's a culture shock. Right. You know, yeah. you go to Sweden, you go to Northern Europe, every the whole families go nude. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll see that. Like I said again, grandmothers, mothers, everybody's going skinny dipping. Mm-hmm. That's just the norm. 
Ireland wasn't the same. Ireland is probably too cold, but um, but they had castles in Ireland, a lot of history in Ireland. Everybody's friendly, sharing a beer. And it's so funny when they say fuck, they say feck. Feck you, feck, feck you, feck, that's feck. <laughs> It takes so, a getting used to to learn the, the language. Yeah. So it's a different pronunciation of things. So. Yeah. But I've been, I've been, again, I've been very lucky. So. Yeah. That's awesome. We're planning on going to Costa Rica now, so I'm excited about that. Ha- yeah. Have you been there before? I have not. Okay. So um, we, that, Belize, uh, we've been going different things. Yeah. My doctor, we wanted to go to Antarctica. Um, Jen really wanted to go to Antarctica, and the doctor would not sign the release for me to go. <laughs> what She's, is in Antarctica? She loves the cold. Why'd she go to Iceland? <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I'm not going to go to Antarctica. It's a cruise ship. Um, but oh, okay. I asked my doctor about going to the team because I will not sign the medical release for you to go. You have to have a medical release to go. Okay. You know, so I'm like, okay, being a diabetic, she goes, you're being far removed. You take a cruise ship mm-hmm. down there, um, and then you go to Peru, and mm-hmm. then from Peru, uh, far enough down, and then you fly. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, no. And so, your wife is like, get a new doctor. Find somebody that'll sign the release. Yeah, I want to go. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, my wife, it's so funny. Just, she's not a big just... drinker. She doesn't, it's, yeah. her biggest thing is traveling. Yeah. She loves yeah. to travel. Yeah. That's her uh, passion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you know what? I'd rather not go here. I'd rather not do this. I'd rather save up and go on a trip. Yeah. And so, and that's what we end up doing a lot of. Yeah, that's great. So, oh, go ahead. You had, you had a follow up. Um, well, I was going to just ask about are there places in the u.s that you particularly enjoy um traveling to being in any place that kind of stands out yep i I would say i went to northern california i went to napa i loved it Mm. um the hills the winding roads um the wine i can't believe they let people drink wine and let them leave because it's a lot of wine it is yeah but you're kind of just driving one long road i mean not to excuse it but yeah i mean it's it's, it's literally like this the roads are like this and all of a sudden you're like there's a guy on a bike and i'm like People are drinking, yeah. and the, yeah. the roads are narrow. You have to be careful. Yeah, the yeah. roads are narrow, and you're out literally out there on a bike. I don't care if you have a helmet or if you have armor on. Yeah, you're taking a chance because everybody's drinking wine. They don't just so what happens? They charge you, um, like Opus One, Camus, uh, those vineyards. When I went, Jen said it was free. I went to those. It was fifty dollars for the tastings. I understand the wine service. Opus One's four hundred dollars bottle. I understand mm-hmm. why you're charging fifty dollars to taste the mm-hmm. wines. They go in there. Um, I went to. Uh, it's a smaller, not, it's a huge winery, bigger winery, but it's famous. Um, and I'm sorry, mind Is blocked it again. Robert Mandavi? Yeah, the Mandavi Winery, mm-hmm. yes. And so you go in there, it was a lot of tastings. Mm-hmm. That did, they didn't charge you. You went in there, tried the wine. Yeah. I ended up buying soap and things there, books. Um, so I ended up buying things there, but you had wine. You go to a different winery. By the time you're done, it's a lot of wine. It that is a day. lot, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, you know, yeah. so. And yeah, we, we were, went to Deerfield. Uh, that's okay. an organic wine. They don't have sulfites in the wine. They don't use it at all. Mm-hmm. It's, but they can't sell it in stores because the federal government requires you to have sulfites in your wine to preserve it. Mm-hmm. They don't put sulfites in the wine. That's what causes the hangover. But they're $40 a bottle of wine, but you have to order it, and then you have to order a case. So I did that for a while. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I, that was getting expensive. But then I'm like, it doesn't taste as good as some of the wines I liked. Mm-hmm. But again, you didn't get a headache. You didn't have the allergies from it. People don't realize they're allergic to the sulfites in wine, and that's what gives you sometimes the hangover from it. Mm. What's your saying about wine? 
It brings out honesty or brings out truth. Oh, that? it's not my saying. It's uh, I can't remember who I can't remember whose quote it is. It's some I don't know if it's a philosopher or a wine person or somebody from back in the day. Um, in vino veritas, which is in, in wine, there's, wine truth. there's truth. Talk you, about what your do you make of that? yeah yeah. What do you make of that? Is it? I've had two glasses of wine, and at my size, I feel it. Yeah, and I'm talking. Yeah. So, do you feel do you feel like you're more honest or more apt to be honest? It's less inhibited. Yeah. Less in, yeah. yeah. Yep. Less inhibited and less cautious of what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my wife coached me on what I was supposed to say and not say today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> you can say this. You can't say that. It's so far so good. Yes. We'll get yeah, we'll get for editing rights to make sure. Exactly. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about family. You mentioned okay. wife. Uh, I'd love to hear about your kids and um, your experience in fatherhood and, and what, where they're at and, and uh, how you've grown as a father. And uh, talk a little bit about your family, if you will. Okay. Um, I have three boys. Yeah. And my uh, my oldest is Caden. And um, I remember, uh, Jen, we were in Colorado and we were struggling. Um, that story I was telling you before about getting, uh, getting arrested, Caden mm -hmm. um, was two um, at that time. And basically, I was, um, again, doing websites. I was doing a website at the time for a llama ranch. It was called Heavenview Ranch out in Divide, Colorado. And um, when I was doing his website, okay, let me go back. Because I'm, I'm jumping ahead here. I ended up doing those websites because I got arrested. I was working for Zurich Insurance. Remember I was mentioning about mm -hmm. how they gave me my separate place to smoke. Yeah. When they, they arrested me, I, uh, Zurich Insurance ended up uh, terminating my employment. Mm -hmm. They thought I was totally legal. Even though I went through a hiccup and got arrested, I told them. They ended up terminating me uh, because I had gotten arrested for marijuana. <laughs> when they thought I was supposed to be completely legal. Okay. Um, and my owner had the owner uh not the owner but the landlord of the place we were renting up in the mountains he had come over and he said james can i see your medical marijuana permit and i had it and i showed it to him his wife chewed him out for calling the cops and he goes i didn't want to take a chance leaving my house i would have been liable and i said i totally understand it's okay and so what happens he was the president of the american pewter association you're asking about websites that were challenging. In exchange, what happens is I had been uh, lost my job. We had rent at that time where we lived in mountains. It was twelve hundred dollars a month. Back that's early two thousands. That was a yeah, lot. Yeah. So it was twelve hundred dollars a month for the place we were staying at. In exchange, I did his Peter uh, American Pewter Association's website. Mm -hmm. I ended up taking pictures of Pewter, 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 <laughs> spoons, Pewter figurines. Is that the color? No, like actual pewter. Yeah. Like a figurine, spoons, okay. anything that was made out of pewter. Okay. And I would So you're a big fan? Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so Too much I, pewter. a lot of photography. Yeah, it's a lot of pewter. I had boxes set up to take pictures of the pewter in it. And so of uh, white boxes. You put the pewter in it and then what happens is you couldn't use any flash and I would do it, so I take pictures. Ended up putting the pewter uh, thing in. So he did that in exchange, but what happens is we couldn't afford the gas. We had a wood stove. And we had a gas, uh, in the mountains, you have a gas tank, and we had a wood stove. Mm -hmm. In the mountains, I chopped all the wood, but it was green. I, I got a permit, mm -hmm. but it's all forest. Mm -hmm. It didn't season enough. I couldn't get the house warm. We were freezing. I was using the stove to heat the house up. 
and Caden was young and Jen was on bed rest because she was pregnant with the twins. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're out there with Caden. Um, and I remember going, oh my God, I lost Caden. Um, so doing, doing all of this stuff with them, trying to, Jen was working until she went on bed rest. I had Caden because I was always working from home mm -hmm. after Zurich. And the thing is, is I lost Caden. I let him outside to play and turned my eye, I turned around and he was gone. He just wandered off. Thankfully, we caught, we found him, but we're surrounded by 100,000 acres of national park. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was in a neighbor's cot against the fence. But there's bears there, there's wolves. We ended up finding him, but it, that was my going, going, I need to be. At, Something at, at needs busy. to change. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah. it was a, a total accident, but it scared the crap out of yeah, me. Yeah. yeah, it scared the crap out of me. So, Caden, um, that was Caden. Jen on bed rest um, ended up having her mom came to get her. Jen was put on bed rest, couldn't watch Caden. She was not allowed to stand. Um, she was pregnant with the twins. She was totally dilated. So, they put her on bed rest. She ended up going to Chicago with her mom, who lived in Fox, Fox Lake, Illinois. And uh, she went to a special twins hospital there. Mm -hmm. um, so I finished up going through court. I finished up working. I, I had a bar manager job. I was a bar manager in Divide at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. I did that for a little bit, um, just in between. But while I was there, um, my landlord asked me to do um, his friend's website, the, uh, the Llama Ranch. That's how the Llama Ranch came about. And I was doing the Llama Ranch. So when the twins were born, I ended up missing their birth because I couldn't leave the state. Right. Uh, because of court, but also I also had other things going on while I was mm -hmm. doing the website for the Llama Ranch. And uh, so when I got back, that's the first time I got to see the twins. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, seeing them for the first time, and it was hard. We had twins and a two. Uh, Kaden was three now when the twins were born. So Jen, I'd always get up every night, um, multiple times during the night, bring her the twins. She breastfeed on one, one on one a nipple, the other one on the other nipple. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay. And then she was done. She's like, I'd grab them, eat one at a time, and take them and put them in bed. The other one. So all night long. It was, it was both of us. It was, it was a lot of hard work. Right. And yeah. then I was trying to do websites. And um, when I was doing websites here um, in Appleton, Jen was getting mad at me because I was working too much. I was doing 87 hours. I worked mm. at, down at, at TDS Metrocom, mm. doing computers, Humana, mm -hmm. um, doing all that. And she's like, you're working too much. And I'm like, I gotta, you know, basically you're, she goes, she worked nights and I was working. We were trying to balance out the kids and all of a sudden she goes, it's not, it, it's too much. It's mm -hmm. too much. You need to figure out how you can work from home. Mm. And that's how I started working from home. Mm -hmm. But my kids, um, they're beautiful. They're smart. Um, a lot. Caden's uh, in college. He's in this master's program. The twins are both in stout. One wants to be a lawyer. The other wants to be an English major. Mm -hmm. um, all my kids are bigger than me. <laughs> I, I think Caden's uh, he's what is it six three and a half, or um, so. And then I got Elijah uh, that is a diabetic like I am since he was thirteen. Okay. Uh, I think he's five ten, five eleven. <laughs> Diabetes has changed a lot. And Jacob um, reminds me a lot of Caden. Um, he's getting taller, um, but Caden didn't grow until like in college. He got he had a growth spurt in college a little bit later. Yeah. But the the shoulder broadens out, you know, mm -hmm. that type of thing. And my kids, um, again, they're spoiled, but they're good kids. They do know. they do they know it? 
Oh, they do. Elijah had told my neighbor, he had asked me something, and he had told her that if I keep paying it on my dad, I'll get what I want. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay. If I bug him enough, my dad will get frustrated enough and just give it to me. Oh, no. So I was like, okay. And then he said it. He, my neighbor told me. He goes, I'm spoiled. Yeah. So he admitted it, that he yeah. was spoiled. Yeah. You know, your relationship so. as they become adults, your relationship as they go off to college has changed or evolved or progressed? Or it has. Or yeah. um, they used to think I was horrible. I was a slave driver, that yeah. they were my minions. Yeah. You know, I just, all you do is make us clean. All you do is they complained and bitched. And as they've gotten older, um, I showed you a video earlier of my son. You know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, my dad, your dad's so cool or he's real. And I'm like, yeah. okay. So all of a sudden my, my kids are asking me, uh, Elijah wants me to make him a Moscow mule. You know, he's like, Dad, yeah. can you make me a drink? I'm like, Elijah, you're not even old enough. <laughs> <laughs> we drink in college, Dad. You know that, right? Like, I know. I said at home, I said, I said, guys, just clean up after yourselves. I said, Dad, spring break. We have more off for a week. Just let it go. Mm. Just let it go. Mm. I'm like, no, you need to clean up after yourselves, mm -hmm. guys. They still, there's still mm -hmm. that... Uh, they're pushing a little bit, yeah, but you can show that comfortability. Kind of pushing of boundaries. And, yeah. Yeah. But that's okay because what happens is the fact is that they can push against them. It's not dead set. I Part of me is I grew up and my dad being militaristic uh, was, you do as I say, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's a cocotasa, it's a slap in the back of the head. I told you once, you just do it. Mm -hmm. I tell you to clean the house, the house is clean. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to raise my boys that way. I wanted them to have a voice. I wanted them to say, Dad, can I do it later, please? Yes, you can justify why you want to wait. You're on the game with friends. As long as you talk to me and say, I can get to it. Dad, I'll clean up. Just let me do it later. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, so what kind of shifted for you there? Because there's a lot of parents, right, that they... They're like, okay, well, this is how I was raised, so this is how I'm going to raise my kids. Um, how did you or what made you decide, I want to be a little bit um, more lax or softer or raise my children in a, di in a different way? Because I know that's, that's similar for my dad. My dad was um, kind of like... His dad was more was a lot more strict than he was with us, and he he was definitely like you know, you knew when you were doing something wrong, um, but from what he's he's talked about like for for example his dad didn't show much affection to the kids, and my dad was like okay that's something that I want to do different I want to make sure that my kids know that I love them. Um, so what was that shift for you? What made you decide, okay, I want to do, I want to raise my kids a little bit differently? Um, my dad, um, for me, it, it was a big change. Um, my, my dad actually was, um, without getting too heavy, was abusive. Um, okay. He grew up in an orphanage. Um, his mother had all her kids in a car, and this was um, probably in 1938. Um, so had all the kids and went into a snowbank and was drunk. Mm. The state took the kids away. Mm -hmm. um, they decided that this was not the first time it happened, and they put my dad in an orphanage in Rhode Island. Okay. And um, so my dad was in an orphanage, grew up um, in different homes during the World War II. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, he talks about the, the Great Depression or just the end of the Depression. My dad said he'd eat onions like apples. He, he shared some of that stuff he with shared, you and was shared, able to, yeah. That's, later in life. Yeah. So he was able to share some of that stuff, but he was not a, he was not a pleasant man. Yeah. He, mm -hmm. he drank. You know, my dad was a big drinker. Mm. Uh, my mom drank, but my dad was always gone when we were early, early on, but he was strict. He had rules. Um, my dad, get when he drank, he got mean. He came from a mean father. So what happens is, I don't know how, why some of us turned out the way he did. Some of my family is not the same. Some are alcoholics. Some are dealing with it. Mm -hmm. um, so my sister's like, some, it scars you. It has a, it leaves a permanent imprint on you. Yeah. Me, I, I'd have to say it was my wife. I was married to a partner that I was honest and open with. And I wasn't a perfect dad. I get frustrated at my kids. But I always tried to do things. I gave them so much freedom. Anytime they wanted to go with friends, I was like, go. Anytime I gave them a chore and they, their friends came over, they started using that. Because I was afraid to bring a friend home. I was embarrassed to bring a friend home. Uh, how my dad would react to the comments he yeah. would make. Yeah. Um, so I didn't bring my friends home. I wanted my kids to bring their friends home. Yeah. But then it became the local hangout. They were always there, so they weren't getting chores done. See what else. Yeah, so it, it backfired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, but my kids will tell you, oh, I, dad get mad at us. He'd get mad at us for cleaning. He would, I, I, I felt like I was beating the drum. Just clean up after yourself. That's all I'm asking. Mm -hmm. I, I do everything. I clean, I, I, I'll clean the bathrooms. Wash your dishes, clean up after yourself, help out a little bit. I had to walk Jacob in the bathroom, teach him how to clean a damn toilet bowl. I'm like, Jacob, get out of there, scrub it. When you clean a toilet bowl, you clean it from the ground up, mm -hmm. the outside and the inside. Mm -hmm. Preferably the inside first, then the outside. I said, and then you just clean it. And so I, uh, they'll say, oh, daddy, my dad was such a clean freak. They call me a clean freak. Mm -hmm. No, I'm just teaching you guys how to clean. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to teach them how to drywall, how to frame. They have no interest in it. Mm -hmm. um, they get mad, and I'll, I'll share this. So my neighbor's daughter, her name is Jane. So I asked Jane, would you like to help me on the Jeep if you get to drive it? And she says, yes. She sat out there, helped me move the engine, put a fender on. I have pictures of it. Mm -hmm. So help me take the engine apart, put the fender on. She's a 16-year-old girl, and they're like, oh, she's your daughter. She's your favorite. I'm like, no, Jane was willing to help me. I even asked Elijah, I said, Elijah, you want to go help me put the cargo net on the Jeep? He's like, no, I have no interest in it, Dad. Don't ask me to drive the Jeep then. If you're not willing to help me, mm -hmm. don't ask me. You know, Teaching like, from a father's perspective, from a parent's perspective, is a challenge. It is. Even, right? You have that wisdom. You have that know-how. They understand it. They don't want to hear it from you. or right. And I think depending on age and stage and relationship, um, passing on skills as a parent to your kids is more difficult than to somebody else. They don't have the wisdom to learn. Yeah, or, or they don't want to hear it from you. Oh, exactly. Right, or they don't want to learn from you, or it's not cool enough because you're the, the messenger. And I think like mm -hmm. learning how to do that or understanding how to do that um, is a challenge for sure. No, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they are learning, and they are growing, and they're becoming adults. Yes, and, yeah. they are, and they're very smart. Yeah. And like I said, that we're giving that's them young. Now I look at them, they're smart, they're intelligent, they're funny. You know, and you I have regrets. Have, I regret yeah. as a father yeah. that there's things I could have done better. Yeah. But hindsight's twenty twenty. I didn't know. I did the best I could 
with what I had. With what you had, yeah. You didn't take the role of an authoritative figure. No. And you didn't, right? And I think that's some of it, too, is you chose to, to yeah, based on your experience, you chose what not to do, or what didn't work. Mm -hmm. Well, right? also my wife thought that I was coming from an abused family. She was worried about that. Yeah. She was worried about, oh, you're getting, she was like, she's, she would intercede a lot. It was counterproductive. Mm -hmm. Okay, she didn't, wasn't mm -hmm. doing anything wrong. She was worried, but there was nothing to be worried about. Mm -hmm. And when we look back at it now, we see it. But at the time, she's like, oh, you're getting too frustrated with them. You're getting frustrated. You're beating the drum. I said, the problem is, is I'm beating okay. the drum. I shouldn't have to beat it. I shouldn't have to ask them to clean the room multiple times. But yeah. that's normal with teenagers. I was trying to, it's trying to learn something. My dad said something. We just did it. Yeah. You know, my neighbor made a comment. She goes, you always open your shades in the morning. My dad's like, you open the window shades. You have the blinds open. That's what you do every morning. The house is always clean at night. You know, wake up. You know, so mm -hmm. we always, this is something we did. Mm -hmm. I still have that. That's the, talking about the cleaning all the time and doing mm -hmm. everything like that. It was drilled in my head. My dad was always had uh, spring cleaning. Or we always had field day. Field days when you clean the whole house from top to bottom every Sunday. Mm -hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. my boy's like, oh no, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from what I've seen, uh, your kids respect you. Your oldest respects you, and have you, you have a, a, a strong relationship. Yeah. I do. And, and I'm that's, very lucky. that's what matters, right? That they're yes. they're now adults, and yeah, they can text you and reach out and ask for support. And, and you're right. Yeah. You, you, what it, you know what it took them to learn that to see their other friends with their parents, to see their interactions. That oh wait, wait we hey. had to do the same thing. I had, they had to do chores. They see their friends calling their parents, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, or they get some parents that are stricter than others. Yeah. And they're like, okay, maybe dad wasn't so bad. Yeah. 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 So it's taking, looking at other people's lives that relate back to yours going, okay. Puts things into perspective. It does. Yeah. 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 Maybe you can do just a little shout out to your kids since you know that they'll be watching. Oh, yes. Hi, guys. A toast. Here's to children. <laughs> They're not kids anymore, but adults. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Mm. Thanks thank so much for being so, on. Thank you so, so much for being on and sharing what you shared.